Hi, I'm Randy Kleiner. And I'm Kaylee Smith-Westbrook. As the co-founders of Series Fest, we welcome you to Breaking In, a Series Fest podcast. In 2015, Series Fest began its mission to champion and empower artists at the forefront of episodic storytelling by providing year-round opportunities for creators and industry experts to connect, collaborate, and share stories. We are thrilled to expand our mission with this podcast as we talk to working professionals in television and gain insight, advice, and hear their journey of breaking in. Today, I'm speaking with actors Katie Lowe's and Adam Shapiro, best known for starring as Quinn Perkins on the ABC hit series Scandal. Katie is a force on stage, screen, and behind the mic. She has guest starred on other hit series such as Grey's Anatomy, Private Practice, and The Sopranos, among others. She's appeared in multiple big budget and independent features. She's lent her voice to numerous animated films. She made her Broadway debut in the Tony-nominated musical Waitress, and she's currently airing the fourth season of her popular parenting podcast titled Katie's Crib, which is produced by Shondaland in partnership with iHeartRadio. Katie recently wrapped production on the Shonda Rhimes Netflix series Inventing Anna and is making her return to network television this fall, starring in CBS's new half-hour comedy Smallwood. She is also the co-founder and the co-artistic director of Iama Theatre Company, which was named one of the top 20 regional theaters in the country. Her husband, Adam, best known for his work playing Mr. Shapiro on Netflix's Never Have I Ever, has acted on TV shows such as The Affair, The Good Lord Bird, Room 104, Grace and Frankie, Scandal, Grey's Anatomy, among others. And he's appeared in features such as Short Term 12, Steve Jobs, and David Fincher's Academy Award-winning Make. He is also no stranger to the theater. As the co-founder of I Am A Theater Company, he starred in multiple plays, including the world premieres of Bachelorette and Canyon. And he made his Broadway debut playing Augie in Waitress. Adam is also the founder, chef, and brains behind LA's Shappy Pretzels. Katie and Adam joined us out at Series Fest Season 5 when Katie participated on our panel, Shondaland 2.0, and they both returned in Season 6 to participate on our independent pilot competition jury. Hi, Katie. Hi, Adam. Hi, Kaylee. Kaylee, this is great. It's good to see you. It's so good to see both of you. And I'm thank you both so much for doing this. I love you two separately, but I love you two together. And you guys are such an amazing couple. I was like, I kind of want to like give everyone a little insight into like them together. Honestly, it's a great excuse for the two of us to talk to each other because we're so with the two kids and the two I know. The 19 different careers. It seems like we were always we're always kind of like splitting things up. And yeah. so we're never quite in the same place at the same time. So it's nice to be on a podcast. Today. Yeah, this is like a great date for us. This is like a oh, great. I love it. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me on your oh date. Oh, my God. Thank you for coming on our date and like Anytime. mediating any possible conflict that may arise or being our therapist. We should just treat you as like this is. Well, I love therapy. I emailed you guys and you're like, yeah, we can do this. Oh, we're doing it. But we're now we're now in Vancouver shooting a movie. I'm like, I literally like emailed you two days ago and now you're in Vancouver shooting a movie. And you like was, I was telling you earlier, I'm so impressed. You take your kids up there. You're there. But I didn't realize you guys are actually still in quarantine so yes. which is crazy it's the best. and we got, I love we got quarantine. adam loves a quarantine. i love a quarantine i thrive in quarantine 
<laughs> yeah. Well, you created a business in quarantine. Shappy pretzels, which are the best pretzels I've ever tasted thank in my life. You, I think you were making you. Uh, pretzels at home. Private, oh, yeah. Th- private yes. Pri- yes, yes, yes. Before pretzels. the invention of the business, that is true, Kaylee. Before the inv- invention of the business. I was doing business, a lot of cooking. You were doing a lot of pretzel making and friends from Philly were pulling up outside our house and you were mm. ha- giving them out like as a, are you not doing anything today? Come swing by. I made a batch of pretzels. Do you think these are right, wrong, anywhere close to a Philly soft pretzel? I mean, this is what I love about you guys is that you're so you're so creative in so many different ways. I mean, I, I want to talk about the theater company. Yeah. I want to talk about IAMA. Yes. Because, I mean, I know the, this podcast is called Breaking In, and we're going to get to both of your careers. But let's start there. Is that was, is that how everything kind of started? You went, you went to NYU, Katie. Yes. Did you go to NYU, Adam? Do I know this? I, I Adam I, likes I, to pretend he was. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, New York, baby. Gotta love the Woo! pizza. Gotta love the pizza there. Um, man, I miss New York. Uh, these are <laughs> all the way. things I say when people assume I went to NYU. I just kind of, <laughs> I say things like, you know what you can't get in LA? The pizza in New York. Yeah. And but no, I think because I was one of the co-founders of IAMA and I was the only person out of the eight of us that didn't go to NYU, it it, kind of put me on this like whatever, 12 year track of people just assuming I went to NYU, casting directors, friends, people I've met through Katie. And it's been really great for me. Really, really great. So where did you go to school or did you not go to school? I did not go to school. school. No, I went to University of Maryland and I studied theater. But when, but it's not like when you go to University of Maryland and study theater, people are like, oh, Maryland. That's That's a hardcore theater program. That's a hardcore extremist theater school. (laughs) Right. Um, For an extrovert, for a real extrovert. (laughs) But so I, uh. I, yeah, I think I've benefited from people thinking I'm like a real serious kind of New York NYU actor. But no, I that that's OK. All so this is what happened. I okay. went to NYU. I made my best friends. It's similarly to Kaylee. I think you had a really great group of actors that you went to college with um, who were like go getters, real overachievers. Like, you know, when we would always sort of get together. Like I remember we all didn't make it into the NYU showcase, right? Like they, you have to audition and they only take 20 people who are graduating to get into the NYU showcase. So like me and my best friends from college were like, fuck this, like we're going to make our own showcase. And we put it on ourselves and produced it ourselves and got a bunch of agents to come, whatever. So that's like the type of mindset of friends that I had made at school. We all moved to L.A. in the same two-year span, and we were all working at the same restaurant called Ammo. For any of you listening, it was like a big power hour lunch spot for Hollywood's big, high-rolling people, producers, directors, blah, blah, blah. And we were all dying a slow death at that mm-hmm. place. Artistically, our souls were shriveling up, and it was awful. And we were like, what the hell can we do? We don't know how to shoot a short on an iPhones weren't invented yet. Also, we were theater nerds. Like, we really weren't film kids. We had never done that. We didn't know how to write a short or shoot a webisode. Like, that wasn't our thing. What we knew from NYU was how to make shitty guerrilla experimental theater (laughs) that that nobody cared about. And so we, the eight of us, 
all got together and started thinking like, what could we do? Who's a friend that might write something? And we went to school with this incredible genius named Leslie Headland, who was a mm. drama major with us and also directed a bunch of things that we did in college that were naked and insane. And we thought we were making the best theater of our lives. Ah, those were the days. Of course you were. Of course were we were. <laughs> like, And so Leslie was like, I'm going to write one play for each of the deadly sins. One play for sin, one play for sloth, one play for gluttony, blah, blah, blah. At the same time, I'm dating a billion people. One of them is Adam Shapiro. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> and I was dating a billion people. <laughs> Adam Shapiro and I are madly in love, to be honest, but Aww. we're refusing to admit it. We're refusing to call each other boyfriend, girlfriend, because we're almost too afraid to. And all my friends are like, you should invite... Adam into the theater company, he would make us like a sick website. Because <laughs> he was and, a great web guy. And you I should was back like, up and there, there is no theater company at this point. No, yeah. It's not Iama yet. We're just like still okay. meeting and hanging out and drinking once a week and thinking like, what could we do? What would be a play we mm. would do? What could we do? And I'm like, I'm not inviting Adam into this. It's not serious. What happens when we break up? That's a bad idea. Right. And all my friends are like, we need him. He's going to make the website. And I was like, okay, fine. So we, so at the same time as our budding love is the budding ideas of this theater company. And we put on our first play. It's fucking terrible. Um, it's not written by Leslie Headland. It's like 30 minutes long. And Leslie's like, I'll write you guys a one act to go in front of that crappy play. And started this whole conversation with Leslie about these plays that she was going to write for our But also company. a lot of people came and saw that play and said, yeah, the right. play was okay, but, but I would, I would love to see is more of this ensemble. And then we all were like, wow. Yeah. Ensemble. So we put on this play and right. Like the play wasn't good, but what we figured out was we sold out every single night. Our tickets were cheap as hell. They were like 10 bucks. Everybody was actually like, interested in going like we sort of all of a sudden had all these sort of east side la cool hipster people like coming to theater having a fun night the, the whole thing was only like an hour and 20 minutes long or like an hour and leslie was like let's make more i'm gonna write one for each play and the rule was everybody in the company would get one lead and two supporting roles out of the seven so it would be very That's democrat awesome. like it yeah. would be like very um fair and uh, everyone would take turns producing. If you produce the last one, you got to lead in the next one. If you did the lights on one, like I did the set design on Bachelorette, which was terrible. <laughs> Bachelorette, by the way. And so what was crazy and what put Iama on the that map? That was our worst set design we've ever had. You're welcome. You're very fucking welcome. But what was cool about it was that Leslie was writing unbelievable Please. stuff. Plays that mm. were incredible. If you guys Google this who are listening, I mean, Bachelorette got made into a movie starring Kirsten yeah. Dunst and Isla Fisher and um, Lizzie Kaplan. And then another play we did called Assistance, which was all about Leslie's time when she was Harvey Weinstein's assistant, got made into a pilot at ABC starring Alfred Molina and Kristen Ritter. Like all of her stuff. And she was literally sleeping on our couches when ICM came to this little shitbox theater in Hollywood with 50 seats, signed her, and all of a sudden, a lot of people started coming to our plays and giving people opportunities. Like, all of a sudden, wow. like, if one of us got cast as a guest star, like, and met the casting director, the casting director would come. Like, we were all very 
um, in terms of breaking in, I feel like we were all sort of birds of a feather. Like someone's mm. success helped somebody else get success, helped somebody else, helped somebody else. Like it, it, it all of a sudden got the ball rolling. Um, and it also restored our souls. Like all of a sudden, yeah. all of us had a purpose that wasn't just waking up and going to ammo. Like all of us now were really waking up and doing the things we did in college, which was like painting the theater till late at night, sweeping the fucking yeah. floors, memorizing lines, rehearsing. And all of a sudden, like getting that juju back of like, I'm, I have a purpose and I have a uh, joy like in my life, yeah. you know, and, and, and it's going to be okay. And, um, and that was th- yeah, and that was thirteen years ago. Thirteen years ago, and now I am has like a fucking budget, and Shonda Rhimes is our patron of the arts because amazing, and like we have a board of adults and a business yeah. plan. Like we, it's like a real endeavor, and it's really um, we are a home that develops new plays because Leslie put us on the map doing it. And it's what we got really good at was developing new young playwrights, playwrights who've never had plays produced. We've just really cornered the market on that in LA. And uh, I thank God we survived the pandemic and Adam just stopped designing our web site. (laughs) Well, no, I, you know, it's funny because I am a, for me was a little different than it was for Katie and the rest of the gang that had it all just kind of moved out here and we're trying to get their footing in LA. Like I had been in LA for a bunch of years. I was uh, making my money acting at that point and mm-hmm. doing lots of commercials. commercials um, and smoking weed and me saying like, dude, uh, acting class. <laughs> He's like, I'm booking commercials. I don't need acting yeah. class. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. That was me. It wasn't uh, because I was booking commercials that I didn't think I needed acting class. I just didn't know anything about acting. So it wasn't like, interesting. In my, in my, okay. you know what I mean? It's not like I thought like, Oh, I need to be like practicing my craft. I was like, what's my craft? I just eat the burger and go, mm, <laughs> burgers for breakfast. This is delicious. And I book it. It's great. And so I am, it was a big pivot for me in terms of taking my career more seriously. That's when I started booking more TV and film and, and was able to kind of not do commercials as, as often. And the biggest thing about I am for me was just that, um, there was no one in I am that knew how to open up a laptop. And I, I would try to say, guys, it's like a book. It's just kind of like vertical. You just like, open the screen up and then you, and then you hit your fingers on the button and everyone's like, no, we don't know how to do it. So I ended up learning how to use Photoshop, graphic design, use Final Cut Pro, edit, web design, HTML. So I basically learned like 12 years worth of uh, digital marketing, uh, social media. I ran all of IAMA's social media accounts, did our website, ticket sales and wow and oh and all, all of our marketing like our poster design, all of our like posters and our graphic design shit. yeah every image that was ever posted for the theater company i made in the 13 years or 12 years and so i you know i learned a lot um mm. while doing iama and um uh, and i also learned a lot from, from the acting perspective because I was finally working with, you know, fellow NYU actors. Um, <laughs> but, you know, 
you know, when I, I met Katie and she was like, oh, I did 90 plays in college. And how, many right. did you, how many did you do? And I was like, I did the music man. One play. <laughs> I sang Who did you play? Uh, Marcella. Shapoopy, uh, shapoopy, shapoopy. <laughs> the girl who's hard to get. First of all, that whole song is just about sexually harassing the woman that you love. Um, not okay, not okay, not okay. Not shapoopy okay. does not hold up. It's like pinch her once. And it's fancy cooking. If you get a squeeze back, it's just like, what? Oh, no. Um, I don't don't remember that show that well. Check out the lyrics to Shapoopy. It's it's horrifying. It's like, if go up to the woman and just pinch her butt. And if if you get a good reaction, you're in it. And if you don't get a good reaction, pinch her again. Keep pinching her. So anyway, uh, that was my theater experience in (laughs) University of Maryland. And uh, so it was... You know, do, when we did uh, Bachelorette, which was my first play at Iama, well, after we did the first play, the short play, um, you know, that was my first time working with, like, some really, uh, they were baby, baby heavy hitters at the time, but now they're all heavy hitters. And yeah. it, it, was, it was such a learning experience and also an opportunity for me to play a character that has an arc that isn't just, you know, eating Taco Bell's new tacos for breakfast burrito. Right. Which is called a breakfast burrito, Katie. Thank <laughs> you. Um, but yeah. It really I am sustained a- us for, I am a sustained us for years. I mean, even hearing it you talk does. about it, Adam, I'm like, oh my God. Oh yeah. I mean, now I run the board and, and the cool thing about, I mean, that's why like when, uh, if I ever go, sometimes Adam and I will go back and do like classes with, um, you know, artists looking to break into the community and stuff like that. And it's like, like, and it's, and it's why I respect the shit out of you, Kaylee, really, because it's like, if you're not figuring out how to make shit yourself and look, I'm not a fucking writer. I cannot write. Like I, the fact that you can write is an amazing skill set. I tried. I, I was in classes and wrote scenes and saw them up there. They were not good. <laughs> okay. Like I cannot write. I don't like it. It doesn't bring me joy, but like, I know good writing when I read it. And I really like producing and I really like, you know, theater. And it's like, so figure out what the hell you're like. Adam's really good at making websites and graphic design and he's incredible at marketing. Well, I think something that you guys did that's really smart is you kept, you created a theater company and kept making stuff. Like as I'm hearing you guys talk, I did a bunch of like one-offs, I feel like in my twenties, which I feel like was kind of, and I, I was I was the producer. I was the self-starter. It was like, it was really me. And I, I did have my, one of my best friends who was my writing partner for a while. He did produce with me, but like, I didn't have like a team around me to do that, or I didn't ask friends to help. So like I did a, a play at like the Hudson theater main yep. stage that ran for like six so weeks. Nice. And then after that, it was like done. Like, and then I went and did my web series, but after that it was like done. But what's so great that you guys did is, which I keep hearing on this podcast a lot relationships and community. Yeah. You guys had a community, you guys lifted each other up and you all worked together to create and to creep keep creating because I think that's what's so hard and especially for anyone listening who's like, you know, creating pilots and going off like stay in that community and continue 
making stuff because I think it's so hard when you think one thing is going to like send you to the moon, that this is the one thing that's going to be picked up. Like it's just, especially hearing you guys talk, that's not how it, how it works. No. And it all relates into each other because look at Adam. Adam's talking about how much the theater company taught him about computers and success with marketing, which is all the skills he uses for pretzels, by the way. Right. Which I was going to say, I was almost emailed you once and asked you like, because I needed a logo, like who's doing it? It's you. Can I hire you? I have, I have some stuff I need to get done. Logo design. I mean, I love all that. And He's I enjoy so doing good all at it. He's I so enjoy good doing at all it. that. But, but so, also, so I it. think, um, and this is, you know, when Katie and I, Katie was talking about, we, we go in and talk to like younger actors trying to break in and stuff is, you know, to be a modern actor these days, th- that that's part of the skill sets that's required. I mean, right. Even now, you know, every audition I've had for the past two years, I've put myself on tape and that requires Mm -hmm. a little bit of editing, a little bit of uploading, a little bit of savviness on the frame. And is is the lighting okay? And what camera are you using to shoot it? And, you know, those things come really easily to me now because I put so much time into editing and shooting and, and doing things like that. And for a lot of actors right now, it's like a huge smack in the face. It's like, wait, what? I have to learn how to do all this stuff just to to audition. And um, but the same goes for marketing yourself. You know, I mean, it, there, if if you were to think about being an actor in Hollywood as well, you're the CEO of a business, and then in your business there are lots of different things that you need to take care of. That you need to take care of your the, the your income and your your budget and how to deal with money and finances and stuff like that, work out deals. And so, you know, I don't know any actors that work out deals on their own, right? So it's like you, yeah. you have your agents and your lawyers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so unless you can afford to hire a PR marketing, social media manager for yourself, that's something that as an actor, you have to be responsible for. Mm-hmm. You can decide you're just not going to do any of that stuff, but I can guarantee that's not necessarily going to help you uh, get ahead in, especially in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, if you're unaware how to market yourself. So to have so much experience with marketing, um, I am, a, and in doing so, having to kind of market myself, I feel like that's helped a lot. Uh, and, and I know the with, whole, the artistic, with Katie oh, sorry, too, Adam, yeah. I interrupted you. Oh my God, the marketing. I was just thinking, my God, like my, day of end tomorrow. I'm, we're here in Vancouver um, and I'm shooting this. Christmas movie for CBS. And already I have my list that they want by end of day tomorrow of videos that I have to shoot that for their social media team, you know, like, uh, you know, and, and that things that they would like me to get and capture while I'm on set shooting for the next three weeks so that they can store it all, make it awesome, roll it out when the show, you know, when it comes out in in December. But I was going to say in terms of Uh, an artistic home and what you were saying, Kaylee, about doing these one-offs, which is so great that you did. I mean, so many people are doing nothing. I mean, so many people call themselves something and aren't, you know, and are stuck or not doing anything. So it's amazing to make or do anything. But I do have to say, I think that over these 13 years, like having a place, a home like this is has, has been super beneficial to people Mm. who are listening. Like it truly, truly has, because I see it over and over again. Like someone, you know, the play you saw Kaylee, like Sarah Utterback saw that play in New York, 
brought it to us, said, I want to be the lead. We got it done, you know, like, or <clears throat> the play Adam was in Canyon, you know, John Karen is a company member and a playwright. And we've been workshopping that play with him for six years. Wow. We've, we've done it twice in LA, a workshop in LA. We did it at IAMA. Then it got into the block party, um, which with is something that CTG picks theater companies in LA every year to move one of their productions. They chose ours Canyon and now they're shooting it and it might be a movie. And it's like, we, and now we're attached to it all the way. And John Karen and I, and we've been developing it with him for years. So I see a benefit in that way, but also I think we had to work out a lot of stuff. I think it's really hard for people who are breaking in Mm-hmm. In whatever way they are, if they're a writer, producer, director, actor, I think a lot of times success for somebody else for some reason means that it's not yours or mm. um, if someone gets something, it means you didn't get something. And mm. I think it's really important to surround yourself with community that doesn't abide by that, that there's enough for everybody to go around and you work from a place of plenty and not from a place of lack. And I think that I am a, thank God, we did have that shit in our 20s and then we all worked it out. And now I feel like everyone benefited because of that. Like just by sticking together, like I said, because I got scandal, Linda Lowy came and literally cast every single fucking person in our company multiple billion times over. Wow. Or, you know, because of Iama, you know, Shaw and Shonda loving and knowing all of our actors, she became the patron of the arts and and donates a very generous amount of money, which literally gives a salary to our artistic director mm. and is how she pays her bills. Do you know what right. I mean? It's like yeah. you can link all of that from community and home and supporting people. Um, I also and- think like I got, I got the most amazing advice when I first moved to LA from Connie Tavel, who's like a big manager producer. She co-created judging Amy and she, she has, she's a big manager. She has all the giant clients and she's from Philadelphia and we had a mutual friend. And so one of the first people I met when I moved out here from Philly was Connie Tavel. And she was like, listen, you, you seem very excited about being an actor. You, you've got the personality. I, I have no, no, uh, doubt that you can succeed. However, um, she was like, the one thing I see with actors who come out here to try to break in as an actor is that they don't understand how the business of Hollywood works. Mm. And it's like the only career path on the planet where you jump in and sacrifice your whole life and move across the country, whatever, to do something and not actually understand how the business works. Right. Right. And and she's like, and so, so many actors, she said this to me, you'll see the majority of young actors that you're out here that are your peers are all going to quit and leave after a year. It's just going to end because they're going to take everything so personally because you can only take it personally if you don't understand how it all works. And so she was like, why don't you, since you don't have a resume yet or a reel or a headshot or anything, why don't you take one more year? And don't even put the pressure of getting an audition or getting an acting job. Just in, in, for the next year, be an assistant to like an agent or a manager like myself. Understand what the good actor, what the what the what the um, good actors are doing to get cast, and what the self-destructive ones are doing to kind of ruin hmm. things for themselves. And she's like, and I don't say bad, I say self-destructive because at this level, at the, 
at this level in Hollywood, everybody's good. Everybody's bringing something to the table. It's really about what are the ones that are successful doing to put themselves in a position to succeed? And what are the ones that are kind of self-destructing? And she's like, if you could take a year and be an assistant and really see why people get cast, why that guy had the best audition ever, and he was perfect for the role, but he didn't get it because there's already a guy who looks just like him that's already been cast or right. whatever. And, it, and instead of that person taking it personally that they didn't get it or thinking that they fucked up in the audition, really, it's, it, it was something completely out of their power, out of their hands. And most actors, if they don't understand that, are going to take it personally and think that they fucked up. Right? right. And so I did that. I spent that whole year uh basically putting myself in a very um safe and um knowledgeable headspace to enter the acting workforce and i think that really proved to me that if you're in a good space and you're available to success it's going to come quicker than if you're not and i think iama was that for us as well I am a didn't directly result in me having an acting career because it hasn't necessarily directly resulted in everyone. And I am having an acting career, but what it does is if I was not thinking about that audition 24 hours before right. I was painting a theater, I was making a poster, I was memorizing lines. I was helping somebody else with the play. And so when I went in for that audition, I'm in a different space. Yeah. And so I think, I think if you can find a creative space, something that is what you want to do, regardless of if it's successful or not. I mean, I am a has garnered success, but for years we were doing plays to nobody in tiny theaters that were not as nice as the Hudson made. Right. Like, oh, I'm God, like no. Yeah. yeah the yeah. worst theaters okay, that so you could nice. imagine in L.A. Oh. that. Death, death traps, we used to call them, because they didn't have fire. <laughs> yeah, terrible. And we had fire oh, yeah, on stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, like, like, um, but I think that I think that if you can find something creative to take up your time so yeah. that you're in a better space when you're actually going after your Hollywood dreams, you're you're giving yourself an advantage. You're giving you're putting yourself in a position to succeed and not be so. I don't know, like so invested in that audition. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, because like you got advice. news, you're not getting it. You're not you getting it. You know what I mean? You're not getting, <laughs> you're not getting it. it. You're not auditioning for this one. Yeah. I've never, ever, ever, ever in my career booked the first time I've ever met a group of people. Ever. Not once. But it's I always get the seventh. No, for me it's like the or fucking the, seventh. The like literally. Yeah. Like wow. and it's every time I do my job, every time I'm excited to be there, every time I'm professional and joyous and done my fucking work and I show up and I know that they'll keep bringing me back because they're like, we can count on her. We can count on that girl. She's got right. it. We can count on her. And at some point, it's going to line up. I mean, if you had seen the season before Scandal, uh, they had called me in to test for Shonda Rhimes' pilot the year before, which was called Off the Map. It was a Grey's Anatomy without Oh, yeah, borders. I remember that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You probably auditioned for it too, I bet. 
I feel like I was trying to get an audition for it. I don't think I had a, a good enough agent or anything. <laughs> I didn't yet. get I feel an audition like for it. I don't, I don't think I got an audition for it, but I remember, I think I like read the script. I'm sure I was like sending my postcard and like begging. Uh, like I used to do the crazy things that people tell oh, you not course. to do. Oh, of course. I did all that shit too. Mailings and showcases. And Do you want to hear the most embarrassing thing I, I did? I can't wait. Yes, please. Yeah. I, after Marry Me, the web series, I was like, people have to see this. So I literally had my friend just started a cupcake business and I had the picture of me on for Marry Me and I sent so many casting directors and producers like I, I sent it to it. Judd Apatow. I was like send like this needs to be on his desk. Send him cupcakes with my But didn't he DVD. cast you? No, I had no, I had been cast with annoying in the letter to him. I had been cast in forgetting Sarah Marshall and then my role got cut and then I still have never seen it, which is like super sad. But then I was like, I was in forgetting Sarah Marshall and I wrote this and please watch my thing. But like, I mean, I did the craziest things, but I do, I sorry, not to stuff. cut you off. I do no, remember off the map. Wasn't Mimi Gummer in that? Didn't she get cast? Yeah, she yes. got it over me yes. for sure. Oh, and she should. Yeah. She's fucking incredible. No, who yeah. cares? She's fucking great. I mean, please. I remember, I, I remember that. I could choose between. Yeah us two I'd pick Mamie every time as well but hey you know what I mean but like honestly that I had done I had booked okay so let's take this back and why we this podcast is probably so much about you're right networking and community and keeping up with this kind of shit because so this is where this all goes if we can even talk about this and you can line it all back but my you did you do a Williamstown apprenticeship? I didn't. Yeah. I was actually thinking this morning. I was like, why didn't I do that? Like, why? Oh didn't no, I, I do didn't that? do that. I didn't do it either. I, I didn't do it either. It. But I thought you had. No, but I should have. It's so funny you said that. I literally had that thought this morning. I was, I was, I was I in Williamstown, Williamstown every year. <laughs> Were you? He never, ever, ever. He never even <laughs> Just, knew what the fuck I was Williamstown like, do you know what was. Williamstown is <laughs> no. He learned it because, but anyway, okay. So <laughs> the summer that everyone was going to Williamstown, mm-hmm. I went and did a summer at Steppenwolf, okay? Oh, okay? Which is a theater company that is a huge inspiration to I Am a Theater Company. For those of you guys listening, Steppenwolf Theater Company is a 30-year-old theater company in Chicago, and it was started by Gary Sinise, Lori Metcalf, Joan Allen, John Malkovich, Jeff Perry, um, Mandy Patinkin, like crazy group. Austin Pendleton. I mean, the fucking wonderful, wonderful Chicago actors who were all at University of Illinois together. I am a likes to hold them up in highest regard. Anyway, they have a summer program. I went and did it. And um, Jeff Perry was one of the master teachers there who ended up playing Cyrus on Scandal. Mm. Um, Jeff Perry is married to Linda Lowy, who is the casting director for Scandal. Mm. And so when I started mailing in my resume, she saw Steppenwolf Summer School on there and started calling me in because Steppenwolf really means something to her and theater really means something to her. And so she called me in and she would call me in all the time and I would never fucking book, but I knew at some point I would because there were a lot of guest stars on Grey's Anatomy and private practice at the time that I could get. And finally I got one, private practice, a guest star. It went great. I had a great time. I left my baby in the backseat of my car and that baby asphyxiated. Great storyline. <laughs> Fucking horrifying. Fucking horrifying. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Um, that was the year before. So the next year they have off the map. And I'm like, holy shit, there are three doctors on this show that are in my age range that I could play. Yeah. And 
Shonda doesn't remember me from the private practice guest star. She has 8,000 guest stars that she's dealing with a week. She doesn't care. But Linda is a Katie Lowe's fan and keeps bringing me in always and forever knows that I'm going to do a good job and knows that I'm never going to book it or at some point I will and at some point it'll line up. I'm a babysitter at this time. I'm full-time nannying for the Getty family. And I, they call me in for one doctor. I do. And Shonda's in the room. It's a producer session. And Shonda's like, I like you. Can you come back the next day and do this doctor? I go, okay, great. I run home that night. I learn a whole new doctor. I go in for the next doctor. For Shonda again, "Mm, I like you. Can you come back tomorrow for another doctor? At this point, I have lied to the Getty family 8,000 times of why (laughs) I can't make the fucking babysitting job. I have no money. I mean, no money. I need the babysitting job. The babysitting job is what's paying my rent, but I keep not showing up to the fucking babysitting job because she keeps calling me in for different doctors. At the end of all of this, a week like that, I don't get any of the doctors. I don't test. They don't bring me to network. Nothing. I'm in tears. I get, I have to leave my, my babysitting job. She doesn't like, I'm not getting babysitting gigs anymore. I have $0 in the bank account and I've left completely with no acting prospects. However, The next season, one year later, Off the Map is canceled, and my first audition back the next pilot season is for Quinn on Scandal, and Shonda calls me the fuck in. I go in. I read it twice. She gives me notes after the first time. I read it the second time, and the next week she offers me the role. I never go to test. She says she showed that one tape. Had I not gone to Steppenwolf, had Linda Lowy not read that on the resume, had I not done the private practice guest star and did Linda thought I did a good job, had I not put myself up every single time for one of those doctors on Off the Map, Quinn would not have happened. So I'm just saying that was from – at 19, I went to Steppenwolf and I booked Scandal at 28. So wow. nine years of those connections and nine years of those opportunities and nine years of not getting it, not getting it, not getting it lined up to scandal if that yeah and every and every single thing (laughs) it's amazing it's an amazing story (laughs) every single thing that you've booked or i've booked like the you know it's never in a vacuum there's always uh something you can tie back to some sort of relationship building yeah um and and it's a long game it's a long game and that's why the job when they say to actors or writers river is the game is to keep Keep just trying to do your best work because that's really the job. Yeah. I mean, yes, I, I got scandal and that became the job, but the job up until then, and it, it really, frankly, still is because even this Christmas movie, <laughs> very quickly, because this is all about breaking in, but like this Christmas movie the, is CBS. I did a pilot for CBS this year, which was a multicam comedy, my first time comedy. The casting director of that comedy is Bonnie Zane, who I was a babysitter for. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I was her babysitter. I was her babysitter for a long time. She cast me on a show and she called me for the CBS pilot and was like, I think this is your comedy. I think this is your comedy. I know no one has given you one, but I really think you can do it. I did it. I made a tape. She asked me to make another tape. Then I tested. Then I chemistry read with Pete Holmes. I had to jump through all the hoops. Got the CBS pilot. I did an okay job. It was a comedy. And then CBS called me for this rom-com Christmas movie that we're here shooting in Vancouver. Wow. But again, I started babysitting for Bonnie oh, Zane yeah. when I was, what, 25? I'm 38 now. So 13 well, Katie, years of a relationship with her got me Katie, this. How did, you, how did you know Kate Caldwell? 
Kate Caldwell, I used to babysit for Jamie Roberts. <laughs> okay, okay, head. so check. And, the, and she worked with Jamie, right? So Jamie Roberts is the head of Disney Animation Casting. I used to babysit for her as well because her her sister was my old agent. I used to babysit for her. She was casting a pilot. Kate Caldwell was her associate on the pilot. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because I was going to say, like, at at the end of the summer, I go to New York to shoot a film. Yeah. And um, I've never actually had to say that I can't say what the film is, but this is one of those you things fa- like... Because you, you fancy as fuck. Adam, yeah. I'm not going to say what it is, but Adam is shooting a incredibly fancy film in August. Like, like cool. you will all know what it is when it comes out. Oh cool, God, but yeah, wait. but so... <laughs> but that, that film is by the same casting director who cast me in Steve Jobs, but I got Steve Jobs because I was doing, like, a video game... Um, uh, which I had gotten because I did a recurring guest star on a show called Kingdom. And I got the Kingdom audition because Katie and Kate Caldwell had become friendly and, and Kate was directing Kingdom. And so wow. it's like, you know, I can tie every single thing I booked all the way back to um, those first few years we were out here making connections. And, and do you and, feel and, Sorry, do you feel you made most of those connections through other jobs in IAMA, or were you guys doing other things as well? I'm curious, too, how you got your representation. Were you doing casting director workshops? Were you doing, like, how were you meeting people? For someone listening who's like, I don't know how, like, I just don't even know where to start. Like, what For me, I think I just kind of talked my way into representation. <laughs> and But I also, like, I had, um, I did a commercial, like, workshop or something. I, I, like, I was in an acting class and then they invited the commercial casting, uh, commercial agent to the workshop or to the, uh, whatever it's called, the performance at the end of the, of really the like class. the showcase. What is that? Showcase. Yeah, it was like a showcase. Yeah. And so the, um, the commercial agent signed me and then I booked a bunch of commercials and that, so I was able to, and people were like, oh, to get like a real theatrical agent, you, you kind of need a real. And I was like, well, all I have is commercials. So basically what I did was like at the time, DVD commentary was like a big deal, right? Oh my were like god! Really this is like, why I fell in love with this guy. Wait till he tells you this shit. You know, people this were really into DVD commentary. <laughs> so basically, what I did was I created a reel out of all my commercials and and whatever crap that I had that was not TV and film, and then I brought the sound down, and then I did um, commentary over my reel because. My reel wasn't funny, but if I did commentary over the reel, it could be like hilarious. And so uh, then I took the DVD and I burned my reel onto DVDs. And then I, if you remember, you used to be able to like make DVD menus on Macs. You know, there yeah, was yeah, like yeah, DVD yeah. burner that, yeah. or whatever. Yep. IDVD or whatever. And so I made the button to watch. You could, you could click watch reel or you could click watch reel with commentary. And I specifically made the one that says watch real not workable, like not clickable. Right, right. So you had to watch the one. You, with you click on that and go, all right, that's not working. Well, I guess I'll just watch it with the commentary, whatever the, <laughs> whatever the fuck that means. Right. And I, uh, and so, I don't know, sorry if you could hear my, my, my little three-year-old screaming in the background. That's okay. Right now. It's all right. When um, you guys are in quarantine with two kids, it's fine yeah. if you can hear your, your yeah. I'll be screaming. Uh, uh, but I, uh, so everyone had to watch my comment, my, my, my ridiculous demo reel with commentary, which was funny. Right. So 
when you got done watching my reel, you're like, that guy's funny. But right. if it was just the actual commercials or just the stuff that I had been able to cobble together, it would not have been an impressive demo reel. So that's kind of how I got in the door. Uh, oh, he I've used to always, talk about crazy shit like Katie I've always used to make with like, the cupcakes. He used to wear a hat. Oh, yeah, with and, a little pocket. And the pad had a pocket on it, and he would have printed. It was like a cargo hat. By the way, this shit does not. This shit that works for Adam Shapiro does not work for everybody. Like right. you have, to, you it's, have to sort of. You find know what, what is your lane? Yes, Julia Garner said yeah. to me on the. Um, excuse that name drop, but Julia Garner said to me on this show we were shooting last year. She said. You have to figure out what it is. You know inside you, like, what it is that you do the best, like, better than anybody. Mm. Like, you already know what that is. And so you you have to do that. Like, that's mm. – and, like, Adam was really good at figuring out – like, if I had taken a tiny resume and put it in a side pocket of my hat, people oh, would you think didn't I tell, was, you didn't tell him oh, what I did with the pocket. What did you do? I basically printed my headshot and my resume – as small as I could print it. And then I, and I, and I glued them together. So I had like these teeny, very, very small headshots and resumes in my hat. And I would take them and people would go, is that a pocket in your hat? I go, Oh yeah, that's where I keep my mini headshot and resume. So it was like, it was like a great like <laughs> conversation starter. And they go, you have a pocket in your hat and that's where you keep your mini headshot and resume. And now all of a sudden I'm at like a social event with all these working people and everyone's talking about my resume. Like I love my headshot. So, I would that would not, but like Julia Garner, like that if I did that, yeah, it wouldn't people work. would Maybe. think you are a fucking nutbag. So right. that works for Adam. But for me, what I thought always worked and why I feel like I got ahead was I was really someone who was kind, genuine, and not crazy. So, like, I always took it very seriously from the beginning on. I always wrote thank you notes. I always... Um, because those were authentic to you. Yes, is the point. You have to find out what's authentic. You have to find out what's authentic to you. Because people will sniff out anything else. Like, my friend, one of my best friends, Amy Rosoff, you know, when we used to waitress at Ammo and all these big dogs oh would my come, God. she was so fucking good at wheeling and dealing getting jobs out of waitressing on these big people and she it, wants to put her demo I, reel in I a got, deck oh my god to mark Goy, to to and then um, got david goyer role. and got a 10 episode recurring arc as amy Toroff on flash forward wow oh, and like show. she yeah. wrote her demo reel link on the check and they were had been talking for like weeks and she like got a huge fucking job out of it. And I used to go home and cry because I would say, I can't do that. I'm yeah. waitressing on the same tables and it's not who I like. I just don't. I'm not. Right. I, it feels weird for me to do that. And her, she felt and she did it like she rocked it. She would really fucking do it for me. I always and look. What's the difference between doing that and me wheeling and dealing auditions out of everyone I babysat for? Mm. Like, I have gotten so many jobs from the people I have babysat for. I, it's And so has Adam. Like, Adam has gotten <laughs> so many jobs because of people I have babysat for, right? I mean, Jamie and, Roberts, and babysat Bonnie's, and people I Adam has babysat for. I got babysitting jobs. How did you even meet them to start babysitting their kids? Okay, so... 
Katie my... hangs around parks. She does a lot of <laughs> hanging around parks in creepy vans. Okay, my the the Disney Animation casting director was sister of my of my well first innovative L, innovative LA. So I got innovative was my first agency. Well, no, that's not true. Hardin Curtis was my first agency, and I got them. I did a play sophomore year of at NYU that a really sketchy manager came to see who was like weird. Mm. And he signed me and he set me up with agency meetings. And the and I got an agent through him when I was 20 named Harden Curtis. And they said I was too fat for television. I would never work. And they made me join Weight Watchers. No. You've heard it here first, folks. No. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. Yep. Uh-huh. And that I shouldn't wear hoop earrings because my face was too round and it only made my face more round. And I had to go to Weight Watchers and Weight Watchers was like, you need to bring a doctor's note because technically you're not overweight and we can't like help you lose weight. It was – and I I did it. I did everything they said to do. I didn't lose weight but I did what they – I went to a meeting. She told yeah. me to. I did. And I just kept – being grateful that they were getting me auditions, but I knew in my heart, like, oh man, I'm, I had sort of set myself up for like revenge. Like in my head, I'd gotten in my head, like I'm going to get a bigger agency and I'm going to call them and I'm going to say, I'm going to break contract with you because I'm going to leave for this other agency. I like had had it in my heart. So I was with them my senior year of college and then they didn't accept a bunch of us into the NYU showcase. So we put on our own showcase and I wanted Innovative really badly Mm. and we sent them a bunch of calls and no one in Innovative came except for all the assistants because I said it was going to be a party and there was going to be a lot of beer there and a DJ and it was a fucking huge party and all these Innovative people came. All of those Innovative assistants now run Innovative. Right. Run them. Right. Brian Davidson, Ken Lee. Well, Ken Lee left for a different agency, but like literally the people who are running Innovative were the baby assistants at this showcase 20 years ago or whatever, Mm. or 17 years ago or whatever it was. But um, that's how I got Innovative. They came and saw me there. They said, yeah, we'll sign you as soon as your contract with Harden Curtis is up. I called Harden Curtis. I said, I'll be leaving. Went to Innovative New York, went for a week out to the LA office. They said, um that they were interested in signing me and the LA office sent me up with a bunch of generals while I was in LA. And one of them was with this casting director, Jamie Roberts, who said, you should move to LA. And I said, I'll move to LA. If you give me a job, she said, I'll let you babysit my kid. Wow. Now she's the head of Disney animation casting. And that's why Adam and I have voices in frozen, wreck it, Ralph, every fucking Disney movie. But, um, and we officiated her wedding. (laughs) That's true too. (laughs) Of course you did. Of course you did. Yeah. So it's 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 a lot of stories like that and it's a lot of stories of like just keeping up these relationships in a way that's authentic to you. Yeah. It's not and 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 what goes for this which is the most important thing and I think is good to talk about on this breaking in genius podcast you've started oh, is you. that so <laughs> fucking much of this is a mental health game. I yeah. really truly believe this. I agree. It's community, it's connections, and in an authentic way to you. But if you are unhappy and not stable in your mental health, it's really hard to put in all of these years. And not to say that there aren't ups and downs. There are. There really, really are. This is a really hard business. Um, And it's really hard to keep showing up and 
uh, putting yourself out to be rejected constantly. And that's why you have to be, have therapy practice, supportive friends or family or whatever it is to you so that you don't bring that in to the next time and the next time and the next time and the next time and to, to the next relationship and the next relationship and the next relationship. Because this is about how you can find happiness and joy and stability for the long run because mm-hmm. it's going to fucking take a while. Overnight successes, I've, I don't know any I, I don't know any yeah. of that. I, I don't. Like, if you want to talk about a career, I'll show you mine. It's one word, then one line, then two lines, then four lines, then a recurring, then I got fired, then another recurring, <laughs> then a pilot that didn't go, then this, then that. And it's never enough, ever, because if your goal is, I just want to be a series regular, guess what? You're going to get that series regular. And then you're going to say, I just want to be the lead of the episode. They're only writing for another character. They're not writing for my character. Then guess what? You get an episode and then you say, well, I just want to get Jimmy Kimmel live because the other girls all got Jimmy Kimmel live. And then Mm -hmm. you're going to say, oh, you know what? I just want to get my movie on my summer hiatus because I don't want to be known as only scandal and everyone else got movies and I didn't. So let me tell you guys, it's never enough. Yeah. So figure out how you can feel fulfilled and happy. And that to me is therapy and my husband and my family and other things that bring me joy and places I can go to feel really stable. But I just think this is a really tough business. And if you're angry and jealous or sad and all of those things, and rightfully so, you got to fucking work that shit out elsewhere. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're not going to work. For me, that's been like a huge component. And I think for Adam too, yeah? Yeah, and I I also think like, you know, like the, the couple jobs that I've worked like the past year or whatever, never have I ever, um, I got cast in, and, and Mindy Kaling was really kind of wrote the role for me or whatever. It's like a, I'm, I'm playing Mr. Shapiro. It's not that far right. from from who I am, but I, I auditioned for it and I had a callback for it and all that stuff. It wasn't like it was offered to me. Um, but the casting directors for, for that, um, project, I had auditioned for 50 times and they'd never, mm. I've never been cast in anything that they cast. Um, but you know, now it's like, well, thank God I had all those auditions because it was like, I didn't just book a, I didn't just book a gig by auditioning for them, I got like a real career marker type of job um, from auditioning for them a million times. And it's that sort of relationship building. It's like with Mindy, it's like, you know, when I dated her for an episode on the Mindy project, I remember how important it was for me to write her a note and get it to her on my last day. Cause I wasn't going to see her or say goodbye or whatever. And that was like the kind of thing that made her follow me on Twitter so that she could DM me a thank you for the, th- and then all of a sudden we're friends. And so it's just like that little bit of, it's not about, you know, doing Mindy project was cool, but that whatever, that doesn't make your career. That doesn't change anything. Right. But right. having a relationship with Mindy is something that can change your career for the long run. Yeah. So the idea of just doing that guest star is not as important as getting that note to her at the end and just really sincerely thanking her and telling her how much it meant to be on the show. Right. So it's like the same with Katie. It's like, you know, the, the reason that I seem I I get cast is because 
of people's experiences with me, either in the audition room or in other jobs. Mm -hmm. And it should lead to another job. One of the things I always found to be most important is every time I leave a job, bring somebody with you. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I love that. And it doesn't have to be the lead of the show. It could be the, the boom mic operator and you, you just connected with him, keep him in your life. You know, staying. Yeah, con- then you're going to make a short five years later, and you're going to need, need that person. It's like they- it always works out like that. Yeah, and it every truly, job truly does. Every job just goes back to um, something else. It's like you know, doing Good Lord Bird for Showtime was very random for me. Like I didn't know Ethan Hawke, and I didn't know anybody really associated with the project. But ultimately, Showtime has had to approve me getting cast in that series and the person who's like the head of showtime content right now, like is somebody that I've developed a relationship with for years. This was her first time she was able to approve my casting in something. Hmm. Well, second, I guess she did for the affair as well, but you know, it's like that sort of thing. Like, um, you can, you can trace every one of our jobs back to a relationship we started so many years ago. And a lot of times those relationships, you feel like oh, it's not paying off, you know, like yeah. not getting anything out of the relationship, regardless of how you feel about the person. Right. You're just like, I haven't gotten anything. And it's that's fine. It's, it may not be the time for that. Yeah. yeah, you can't see it yet. You might not be able to see it yet. You know, this is a long and that's what I mean about like the mental health game. Like if you're really doing this and you're doing this for the long haul, I'm talking like 50 years. Yeah. You know, it's like. That's why it's so important to make relationships, put your best foot forward, be kind. And reframe what you're actually doing. You know, like, I don't really like using audition as like a verb that an actor, an adjective. I don't know. I mean, a verb that an actor does. Right? It's like the producers are holding an audition. They're auditioning for their Right. If I don't, if I go in for that appointment and I don't get the role, that's not the end of the movie. The movie's going to get made. Right. Yeah. And it's not the end for me. I have an audition tomorrow, right? But if the producers are auditioning actors and they don't cast the role, that is the end of the movie. They cannot make the movie. So the pressure on them, it's their audition that they're holding. Yeah. And they're the ones who have pressure. It's not, so I don't like to think of like, oh, I have this audition or I'm auditioning for this role. No, I'm just going in and doing my job. It's not a job interview. I have a job. I have the job. Mm. It's not a job interview, right? It's just yeah. like a car salesman. Somebody comes in to buy a car and you've got them on the hook, man. They love the car. They love the car and they go, cool. Do you have it in green? And you go, no, we don't have it in green. And they go, okay, well, I'm going to go elsewhere, right? Does that car salesman now cease to be a car salesman? Are they unemployed because that person walked out? No, their job is to do their best job at selling the car. Yeah. But ultimately, ultimately, it's not their job to get the person to buy the car. I mean, the, the person's going to make that decision. That's, right. There's nothing you can do, right? So that's how I think of auditions. It's just, it's another person coming in and checking out my car, and I'm going to do my best to sell them on the car. If they buy it or not, it doesn't matter. I still have, full-time, I still have a full-time job. Yeah, I love that. I and mean, booking, I, booking yeah. that audition is not, it's not a job interview. If yeah. I don't get it, it doesn't mean I'm unemployed. The whole but I feel process bad. is people is who are listening who are listening who are starting in it now. Like I don't know, like Kaylee, like what has been the? 
I mean, people don't do mailings anymore. Like, I don't mm-hmm. even fucking know how people. I mean, I get think you guys hit anymore. on it about earlier about, um, you know, needing to do it all as an actor and marketing and understanding. Like, I really do think you should be creating your own stuff. And if you're not the writer and you know you're not the writer, go find a Produce. person at UCB. Go find someone who just graduated that from yeah. U- USC film school and just go make yeah. stuff. Like that's what you have to be yeah. doing. You have to just go yeah. make stuff. You know, I just had yeah. Rachel Meyer, who you guys both know, Rachel Myers on the podcast. And she talked about um, Wendy Shabbat. You know, no one was giving her opportunities as director. She's like, I yeah. just want to go shoot this short about my grandmother. And the next thing she knows, she's on the shortlist for the Academy Award, you know? So it's really... You can't do yeah. things based in, for everything. I mean, just being yeah. result oriented like that is not again what I when it's like no this is a 50 year thing like if you're yeah. really going to do this it's not a result you can't you can't make things based in result oh I'm going to make this project just to get an agent or whatever yeah. like that's never I, I have not seen people succeed in that way no you don't and I think I spent a lot of my 20s doing stuff to get an agent get a manager and then what would happen is I'd get the agent or manager and then I wasn't getting auditions or then they would leave and then someone said go create something for yourself and I'd written a pilot with my writing partner I came up with this idea and we're like we're gonna go we're just gonna go shoot this and we did and we had 16 episodes and like I wish we had come out like two years later because all of a sudden there was all these platforms Love. and things we kind of yes. just released a little too early. Um, but yeah, but I, I had success with that and things moved forward for me because I did it because I was like, I just need to act. I need to, I need to do the thing that I was trained to do and that I feel like I was born to do. Like, you know, walking into a room and saying one line doesn't work for me anymore. And I like so resonate with you guys on mentality. I think it's so important. And I think it's something I've personally struggled with as an actress and a creator, but like, you have to know you have. To do what you guys do and to be working actors, you really do have to know that you're talented, you're a good actor, and it's not about you in the room. You know, uh, it's so, it's so important. I remember I remember being so angry with my agents and my managers when I first started because I was like, ah, oh, I'm not getting out on the right things and yeah. and the stuff they send me in on. I, I, there's way better guys, and I remember. I would go out for all these sketch comedy shows and I was always competing against like these groundlings and second city guys. And I was not one of them. I I didn't do that stuff. And then it it took me years to remember and to realize that when I signed with that agent and that manager that I was with, they were like, are you like a big improv stand up guy? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, I told, I told them what I thought that they wanted to hear And I essentially lied to them about my qualifications, about my interests, because I did whatever it took to get them to be my representation. So the the actor, the commodity that they were selling as a representative was not who I was. So I was not only uh, n- not going out for the things that I would have booked, but I was going out on things that I'm not going to book. Right. And not because uh, of a random situation. It's because I was not good. I was not at the level of those second city groundlings That's not guys. what you did. That's not what you That's did. That's not what I did. And yeah. so I remember when I, I finally got rid of all my agents and managers and was like, I need to figure out who I am and what it is I want to do. And it was actually from working with IAMA that I started to realize, like, you know what I'm really good at? Being the funnier character in a more grounded drama. 
Mm. I'm not the funniest guy on the comedy guy. And I'm not like cry, like Mm -hmm. super, but I I actually think I'm really good at this thing. So when I first signed with my current agents, which is innovative, um, I remember being in my first meeting with all of them and all these comedy guys were in there. Like, and I knew those guys, the stand up comedian, like all the guys who represent all the stand up and the sketch comedy and the improv guys. And I started the meeting saying, I so appreciate having all of you comedy folks here on, on this side of the table. Um, just FYI, I've never been in the groundlings. I don't even know where second city is. Um, and, uh, and so I, I, I've never done stand-up comedy in my life and don't want to. And the right. stand-ups that I've met, I don't really even get along with them. It's like we're different vibes or whatever. So, um, what I want to do is be the funny character on a drama. Mm. And I was so specific. And they signed me, and that is literally what I've done for the last 10 years. So is, true. Is basically all dramas and all funny characters within them. And I've been able to hone my comedy chops. So now when I am on a comedy like Never Have I Ever, I, I feel comfortable there. Yeah. And when I'm on a drama where I'm not really necessarily doing anything funny, I, well, that, I, that's basically all I do is drama. So it's just, it took me a while to understand who I was. And then my representation could work for me. But if there's one thing I would say to avoid when you're breaking in is is uh, feeling the pressure to be someone you're not. And this goes along with what you were saying. You're enough. You're talented enough. Right. And if if you don't fully understand that you're enough and you're talented enough and you start to try to do what you think they want, you're just never going to get that because they're always going to be able to find somebody who authentically is that person yeah and i and jason weiner the director like who's now one of my best friends and who i officiated his wedding too uh i was in an audition for a pilot once and i left the audition and he said he called me back in he was like chef i have a note for you i'm i'm gonna call you back tomorrow but i actually didn't want to give you this note in the room because it's a life note it's not like an acting note and i didn't want to do it in front of all the producers of the pilot mm. and i was like oh my god okay so he called me and he was like dude this character is like the nerdy one of the group. You're nerdy enough. I don't, he's like, I don't want to, don't take any offense to that. You're nerdy enough. So don't, don't play at being a nerd because right. if we want someone that nerdy, we could find 15 guys that can do that. And then you're not going to be able to show everyone in that room what it is you do best. Julia Garner. Ultimately, <laughs> yeah, totally. ultimately you're not going to book the role. So right. if you waste the opportunity to show everybody in that room, all the Fox executives, all the people from the studio, what it is you do best, you're doing yourself a disservice in your career. Yeah. You're not just you're not just losing the gig. You're doing yourself a major disservice in your career. He said, so it's not just being about being nerdy enough, Adam. You're enough. You deserve to be in the audition. You deserve to get this role. You're good enough to get this role. And uh, unless you come in and and be Adam Shapiro, you're a you're not going to book this and B you're going to lose a really good opportunity to tell a lot of really important people who Adam Shapiro is. And so the next day I went in for the audition and it was like it was like I was so nervous. I felt like I was bungee jumping, jumping out of an airplane or something um, because I had never gone into an audition with all the layers peeled back. I've always ever gone into an audition with all the layers put on. Yeah as big and as boisterous and funny as I could possibly be, regardless of how I feel that day. 
And he's like, just come in and be Adam. And I left that audition and he pulled me out again. And he goes, dude, you killed it. Oh. You're not, you're not getting this role. It's already <laughs> been, it's already been offered to Will Forte. You're not getting, you're not oh, getting no. it. But if you do that for the rest of your career, you're going to work forever. Wow. And that's the important part is the, is, is, is building a career, not just booking a gig. Yeah. You know, that's amazing. Oh, you guys are amazing. We've been talking for longer than an hour. And I know I said we were going to do less than that. So before I let you both go, even though I don't want to, because I could talk to you for another 45 minutes, if you could have worked on any television show in history, what would it have been? And what would you have done on it? I know what it is for Katie. Sex in the City. Okay. Literally anything. Like, I can I just be like Sarah Jessica Parker's sister or like, um, literally, I would have been a waiter. Like, I would have been anything. I would have been anything, truly. I love that show. I've seen every episode of that show. Are you dying I, then that they're coming back? For- I'm dying that there's a fucking movie. I'm just absolutely dying. Adam, what did you think I was going to say? Sex in the City. Oh, good. Yeah. I just love it. I think that the, I mean, I definitely don't like that it's so fucking white, but um, I also just really see the friendships on that show. I just like, to me, Sarah Jessica Parker and Cynthia Nixon as friends. And when they have so many ups and downs as friends, I think some of the best acting is the two of them, like getting into fights as girlfriends and like, and having the relationship. I just think that's such a complicated, beautiful, strong, loyal friend depiction on television. I loved yeah. them dearly. I love that. They're Any like answer? alive to me. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. I have shows like that too. I get it. All right, Adam, Adam, what's yours? Oh no. I would have wanted to have been in Friday night lights. Oh show. yeah. Okay. Uh, what would you have played? I, none of those characters. It would have been a new character. Okay. And uh, I'm at this school. I'm a student. Okay. So I'm also younger in this scenario. By I'm, like a lot. Yeah, yeah. Not that much, Katie. Come on. Um, no, I would have been a student at the school that is like on the school board and um, the coaches – daughter like gets really into like this club that we're in oh. uh she gets really into it and then the she's also kind of dating sayerson and sayerson right. gets very like i want him to get like kind of intimidated that now she's got this like smarter more kind of educated friend that kind of I love that he's rewriting on. friday night lights right now yeah, yeah like <laughs> no it's, just a, it's a role it's a role oh, i love to- it did I have to pick a role that it was in the show? No, no, no. It's oh. anything. It's anything. I love okay, Sex in the City and Friday Night would have been a fun role to play. Like the, the white guy that no one thinks is going to be good at football. That would... Yeah. You guys are awesome. Thank you guys so much for doing this. You guys are the best. Thank you, Katie. Great seeing you. Thank you so much for having us. I adore you both. It was such a great date. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode. Series Fest is a nonprofit organization, and our work would not be possible without our incredible board of directors, staff, and partners who make programs like this podcast possible. 
We have ongoing competitions, initiatives, and mentorship programs year-round, so please check us out at seriesfest.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up-to-date on announcements. This episode was edited by Neil Trulio with original music by Adam Westbrook.